Hi, this is Pastor Luther of Running to Win, heard daily on Bible School Radio, 91.3 KDKR, Decatur, Dallas-Fort Worth, and on 91.3 KYJC Commerce. Portions of KDKR programming do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or staff. Prudent Money with Bob Brooks is sponsored by the Prudent Money Foundation on 91.3. Well, how do you invest for an uncertain future? Today we're going to take a look. Stay tuned for Prudent Money. afternoon. This is Bob Brooks, and you are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know I do appreciate it. Well, how do you navigate in such uncertain financial waters today? Author and financial advisor David Wright is here to give us his take, talk a little bit about his book, Bonfire of the Sanities. David, welcome to Prudent Money. Thanks, Bob, for having me. Well, the best place to start this, because I always get interested, is how you came up with the title of your book. I'm sure you haven't gotten that question before. But uh, (laughs) tell me a little (laughs) bit about uh, Bonfire of the Sanities. Well, it seems like our economy and our world has lost its sanity. Yes. Especially the past few years, don't you think, Bob? Oh, definitely. So the book title came up from a book that uh, Tom Wolf had published oh, about 30 or 40 years ago, Bonfire of the Vanities, but it's a take on that title. Basically, it's a, it's a, it's a money book talking about how you can reset your portfolio uh, for today's financial lunacy, and there's a lot of financial lunacy that's out there today. There is, and you know, it's, it's interesting as, tr- as just a everyday investor trying to figure out what's real and what's not. It, it, it really is true. I mean, uh, first of all, I want to make very clear to you that you, you can only worship one master, and that's our Lord and Savior. Yes. It's not about Thanks worshiping money. That. But most people that I find that I talk to, Bob, uh, that are heading into retirement are getting maybe within five to ten years. They need to understand that it's uh, making sure that you know what the purpose of your money is. So this is, this is very much a hands-on purpose book about what money is for. People want to have uh, a comfortable retirement. They want to have a retirement that uh, doesn't involve uh, worrying about where their next paycheck is going to come from. They want to make sure they can continue their life uh, goals in retirement, which include money and non-money goals. So in a fun and entertaining way, we kind of use music in this book to go through the, uh, you know, all of the ups and downs of planning for retirement. Well, as you would agree, there, I mean, there are a lot of opinions on where the market is heading and uh, just confuses the, the, uh, the issue. You know, we, one thing that we can depend on for sure is uncertainty. How do investors well, face right. the, the future in a stock market that is very uncertain? It, it, it certainly is. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with the, the fact that, that a lot of our government believes that the answer is always to print more money. Yes. And they've certainly done that the last uh, three or four years. And, of course, that goes all the way back to the late 2010 uh, time period in 2008 and 9, when unprecedented trillions of dollars were printed 
in response to our economic crisis of 2008. And then, of course, in COVID in 2020, we had the same thing happen. So when you when you produce a lot of money that doesn't really have any financial backing to it, and then at the same time you make the cost of borrowing or using your funds and in credit cards at zero percent, uh, and you do that for any length of time like they did during COVID, it's resulted in this market that isn't really real. I call mm. it a faux market. Yep. Uh, it's hard to predict what the market's going to do next because nobody really knows what the true value of anything really is. Well, and, and nothing makes sense. You know, what? what uh, we, you talked about COVID in, in 2020, and I always refer to that uh, February, I think it was February to March uh, downturn as the, the COVID crash. If, if you had just checked in and you said to, to me, Bob, this, this, and this, and this has happened. I would think that we were on the verge of 1929. And, uh, of course, it didn't turn out that way. But how, you know, has everything changed to the point to where things are different this time? Or do you see something larger playing out? I do see something. I mean, everybody says uh, this time will be different. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to avoid the hard landing. Of course, 2022 was not a fun year. We had a retraction, uh, a, a pretty severe one, but not the one that uh, a lot of people uh, prognosticate that that could be the 1929 crash. But, um, you know, they, they seem to always just jump to the easy answer, which is to print more money. Modern monetary theory just says they're going to print more money. But at what point do we cross that mm-hmm. red line right. where printing too much money uh, has completely uh, dissolved and devalued the, the value of our dollar. And I think right now we're kind of at that point. Um, we're getting closer all the time with, I think, looking at the wealthiest of our country and the poorest of our country, we're, those two extremes, Bob, I believe, are getting further and further apart. And uh, this is just uh, part of the whole process of what's going on in our government now. The rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer. You know, one of the things that I like about your your book, David, and uh, fully recommend this as a as a great uh, learning tool, is that you give both sides of the story. We we talk a lot about pop culture finance on on the program and how that's just uh, you know they tell you this is how you're supposed to believe if if one plus two always equals three. Well, you know sometimes one plus two equals five, and uh, you got you got to really determine what's going on. But something that that you wrote about, which I deeply appreciated because I just think this is such a, a uh, one of those things that you really need to know as an investor. You talk about cycles in the market. Talk about how cycles work. Well, there's, there's basically two major cycles in a market. There's bear market cycles, which of course are the ones you want to avoid, or basically for any number of years, in, in some cases as many as 15 to 20 years, a stock market's going to go up, down, you know, sideways, but basically over a period of 15 to 20 years, you may have uh, not a lot of growth in the market. Uh, one uh, period in time where that happened was 1966 through 1982. Yes. Uh, the market, the Dow Jones at the time, was at 1,000 points. And 16 years later, by golly, it was still at 1,000 points. So um, th- those are the bear market cycles. And unless you're in a d- dynamic portfolio where you're constantly making changes and selling when it's high and buying again when it's low, it's tough to make money in that period of time. If you don't know what you're doing, 
if you're using your money, you're going to be selling a lot of principal and maybe even running out of money before running out of life. The, bear, the bull market cycle, which is the cycle we all know and love, uh, the, the, the best bull market cycle came between 1982 and 2000, where, you know, our Dow Jones went from, uh, you know, 1,000 points to 12,000 points in that period of 18 years. Pretty incredible growth. But um, at 2000, then all bets were off. 2000 to 2013, two major drops, two major recoveries. And then, of course, where COVID came in. So it's hard to to map out your retirement strategy, knowing that you've got the chance of being either caught in a long-term bear market, or uh, if we all could be so lucky to retire at the beginning of a bull market and have that bull market go for 15, 20 years, we'd be all so lucky to be able to just spend down our money and know that every year it's going to be replenished by the stock market going up when we know that just isn't reality. It's not it's not what really happens. If people could just learn, you know, if, if you had if you had 10 things to, to learn about how best, that would be one of them. Because the, if you listen to the CNBC, the CNBC of the world, the uh, we don't we don't have bear markets anymore. These are periods of volatility. You know, what the heck does that mean? So uh, it's, I don't know, it's yeah. kind of humorous when you look at it. But uh, you, you talk a little bit uh, about retirement planning, the key time period, five to 10 years ahead of time, what are some key aspects of planning that should be taking place? Well, you certainly need to take a really serious look at your budget. You know, what are the want goals versus the need goals? A lot of people plan for retirement uh, just with the bare minimum in mind, and they're not thinking about inflation. They're not thinking about the possibility of a black swan event like COVID or like uh, the the, the financial crisis. So uh, five to 10 years out, really take an honest look at what things you will need to have coming in the door when you retire. Will the mortgage be extinguished? Will your credit cards be all eliminated by that time? How about your car uh, loans? Uh, putting that together five to 10 years out, knowing your sources of income, what do you get in the way of a pension? Most people in the Midwest where I uh, live uh, don't have a pension. They're not fortunate enough to have gotten one. So what's a Social Security going to be? When should you draw Social Security? At what age do you want to retire? How about your investments? And that's what this book really focuses on is the investment part of it, because most people that come to my door, they walk in and they go, I, I say, what's the purpose of your money? And they go, well, I want to make money on this. Well, all right, everybody in the world, Bob, wants <laughs> maximum return for minimum risk. Right. But I ask them, maximum return for what purpose? Is it for a house or a boat, or is it for income in retirement? So that's what we want to focus on, our portfolios generating honest-to-goodness income from interest and dividends that can last a lifetime. I'm talking to David Wright, a great book uh, that uh, we'll have up on the recommended reading list on the prudentmoney.com. You can go check it out, called Bonfire of the Sanities. And uh, you, you talk in the book about one of my favorite arguments uh, that comes from pop culture <laughs> finance, which is buy and hold investing. You know, the, they preach the virtues of buy and hold. And buy and hold is a good strategy for sometimes, but sometimes it's not. So, you know, what are your thoughts about uh, buy and hold investing? Well, I think buy and hold investing has its place. 
it certainly does for those individuals that per, may perhaps have money that is for a long-term uh, need. It might be for a legacy for your church. Uh, it might be for your family or your children or grandchildren even. Those buy-and-hold strategies, you don't want to you don't want to uh, sell low and buy high. You want to do the opposite of that. So obviously, long-term uh, horizon, when you have tw- 10 to 20 years to invest, buy-and-hold strategies certainly work. Why? Because if you're constantly buying during that period of time, you're buying sometimes when the market's up a bit, you buy less shares. Market falls, oh, well, no problem. I'm still buying. I'm buying low. But over that period of buy and hold, you're actually doing something called dollar cost averaging. Every advisor in the world embraces that theory. I do too. Buy low and sell high is a beautiful thing because you end up buying shares at a discount. It's when you get to retirement or near it that the buy and hold strategy uh, will work if you are in investments that kick off a dividend or an income, an interest, something that can allow you to use your portfolio for income first without doing what? Selling shares. If you start selling shares in retirement to live off them, then you're going to be cannibalizing your portfolio. And that's what we want to avoid. Don't cannibalize your portfolio. Let's not eat the chickens. I just want to live off the eggs of those chickens. I don't want to eat the chickens. I want to live off the income or the eggs of those chickens. So it's very kind of corny, but people kind of get that uh, analogy when I talk about money, you know, and, and what it means to you. So, you know, managing risk is the name of the game. You know, you're talking about that right now. You refer to it as the sure. new reality. Talk about how you would go about taking risk at retirement. I mean, we got we got to take a little bit of risk at least. Uh, to, to, for growth well, purposes, but uh, you know, how do you how do you do this? Because it it is a new reality. It, it certainly is, and and that's why I believe if if, if you're looking at long term investing, even in retirement, it's okay uh, to take some risk, but take some measured risk. Mm. And it's more important today, in my opinion, to know what you're investing in. If you're going to take a long-term view of something and say, you know what, this has got more volatility, it's got more potential for gain, but also has some potential for some low points, maybe for some some oopses in there. So if I'm going to do that, first off, I'm not going to do it with more money than I know would cost my retirement. I'll use a portion of it for long-term solutions, but I know then what I'm specifically investing in because I'm using more individualized portfolios where I know some of the names in there. Uh, I know some of the investments that are part of that uh, circle. Because right now, there's a war of politics in our world as far as, are we going to go green energy? Are we going to stick with fossil fuels? Are we going electrical vehicles? Are we not? So all of that whole circle of political unrest Uh, geopolitical concerns about investing, you need to know specifically what you're invested in to, number one, make sure. Is it something I believe in? Number two, is it going to be something that's going to be voted out of the next political uh, election? Uh, How you invest is a function of what you're investing in, and that's why you should work with a specialist that's an income specialist that is also tuned into the growth world so that you know specifically, are you in something that has teeth. Is it going to last a while? Is, is it uh, going to be something that's going to be a flash in the pan? So I, I agree with you. Risk in the portfolio is great, 
but investing on a more individualized basis, you know what you're getting and you can act quicker. Once again, the name of the book is Bonfire of the Sanities. Uh, David Wright has written it and a great resource. I recommend uh, that you take a look at this book. You know, one of the things that you point out in the book is that there is good news, bad news aspects of retirement. And uh, one of those is you know, the good news is people are living longer. The bad news is people are living longer. Talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. I mean, uh, mortality is actually improving in our country, despite what you hear about fentanyl and, and all the other stuff that's out there. But the morbidity is increasing. Uh, the cost of nursing home care, home health care, certainly has been on the rise and, and more people claiming on those types of coverages. And the average length of stay in a nursing home could bankrupt most people. So it's important to understand that having staying power in your investments is important not just from a standpoint of, gee, I want to have money for the rest of my my income from retirement, but I want to have the ability to maybe do double duty with this money if I've got some funds that I can uh, invest for long-term care, something that would protect me if I'm being cared for at home. The reality is if you're in a higher income bracket, higher net worth bracket, you might be almost able to self-insure if you're over a couple of million dollars in, in you know, wealth. But if you're below a million to 250000 in investable a- uh, assets, you might want to look into long-term care because that's certainly something that could very easily bankrupt you and or your surviving spouse um, if you're married. Uh, it would be an awful situation to watch your net worth just kind of erode. You know, I get probably the one subject that I get the most questions about, and I just want to get your opinion on it, is uh, Social sure. Security. Will it be there, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years? And uh, so what are your thoughts on it? Well, if pro was the opposite of con, <laughs> progress is the opposite of Congress. You know, it seems, I, I, I say that tongue-in-cheek, it kind of gets some laughs uh, at my workshops, but it's really true. Congress has to get off their duff and they really need to put together a responsible Social Security bill that takes into consideration some concessions. I think for our generation, Bob, I don't know your age, but I'm, I'm in my uh, mid-60s, it's um, a foregone conclusion that our Social Security should be stabilized for the majority of the rest of our lives. But yes. the generations below us, we, we're looking at major cost cuts to Social Security in 2031, 2032, unless they start making, Congress starts making some serious decisions about balancing our budget. Uh, we're spending $2 trillion more than we're bringing in. You can't do that and maintain a Social Security uh, viable system. That system will be broke in shorter than 10 years from now. Uh, our trust fund is dwindling away. So here's the thing, though, the hope that I have. I believe that in our country, Social Security is that sacred cow that's not something I think they can just fritter away and say, well, oops, we don't have it anymore. Yes. Because a lot of my clients, Bob, that are even in the middle, uh, uh, let's just say middle wage earners that have a decent portfolio, not enormous, but kind of in the middle, maybe between a half a million and a million dollars, are so dependent upon their Social Security that I believe that they're going to have to find a fix for this uh, and find a fix very, very soon because uh, there will be people – walking up the Capitol steps if they don't have their Social Security. We will truly become a third-world country if Social Security were ever 
to fully go away. And I believe that with all my heart. And, you know, politics, what it, what it, uh, being what it is, there's no president that wants that to fail on their watch. I mean, I, I think no. I agree with you. I think that it's it's a, maybe it's a little bit of an adjustment in the payroll system or, or something, but it's definitely something that can be fixed or at least mended for a, a good period of time. It's interesting, though. I mean, it, but it's a it's a po- it's a political hotbed, and uh, we'll we'll have to see how all that fun uh, that comes out. You write, you know, it's funny, David. As you as you've been talking through the uh, the interview, I, I just kind of sit back and think to myself, uh, is that how how tough it is to go through this process? There's so many things that you have to to consider, and how important being matched up with the right financial advisor. How important that is. And in the book, you write that, uh, well, you know, some advisors are actually putting their clients in harm's way. You know, talk a little bit about that. Yes, we, we, we have a, a report that we run for every potential client that comes in our door. And, and a lot of individuals just aren't aware that in their eve of their retirement, they have investments that they're holding right now that is you know, as recent as five years ago, had a decline of 30 to 40 percent to 2008, perhaps 40 to 60 percent. And I always ask them a question. Do you think, generally speaking, does history usually repeat itself? Some people say no, but I will tell you the great majority of people say, yeah, you know, you're, you're right. It does seem like history has a tendency to kind of circling back and repeating itself. So if that were the case and you knew you were getting ready to retire and you had a portfolio and you knew that that portfolio, A, was not in, in a position where um, it could sustain itself if we had another black swan event like COVID, and secondly, you knew that it really wasn't generating much in the way of dividends or interest, well, wouldn't that concern you? Uh, knowing that your portfolio could have to be used when it's down. That's the worst thing. That's what kept me up at night during my 35 years of doing this uh, was worrying about my retirees before I embraced, you know, some of the principles of this book, how people were going to be lucky enough to survive through 20 to 25 years of market up and ups and downs, knowing that they needed money every month from their investment to live on, how was I going to somehow replicate money that they lose if it's a bad year, if I have them in the wrong investments? So, so true. A lot of individuals, Bob, also are do-it-yourselfers. They attempt to uh, eliminate any advisor because they don't believe they have the right motives. So they just watch the YouTube version of how to invest and they do it themselves. But then they don't understand there's two phases, accumulating the wealth, distributing the wealth. When you distribute the wealth, takes a little bit different discipline than building the wealth during the accumulation phase. So we do, I think, a pretty good job of explaining to our clients what are some of the tools that help measure the volatility of your portfolio and the usability and reliability of income of your portfolio with some diagnostic tools. It's up to them to decide what they're going to do because, you know, everybody has their own choice of how they want to tackle their retirement. I'll tell you this, you, you said you've been in 35 years. I've been in 31, and we, we've, seen wow. a, we've seen a few things. 
<laughs> We've been around, haven't we, Bob? If you, if you think about it. And it's amazing that we could do that and still be in our 30s. So once again... I, know. <laughs> I love you, man. The uh, name of the book is Bonfire of the Sanities of David Wright. Uh, just great to have you on, David. I'd love to have you on but again because I didn't even get in through half the things I want to talk to you about. But uh, once again, ba- uh, Bonfire of the Sanities. David, good luck to you. This is Bob Brooks. Thank you so much, and Bob. You are listening to the Prudent Money Radio Show. If you had a question for me, please go to the website at prudentmoney.com and send it in because we are all out of time. Till we do meet again next time, keep the faith and have a great rest of the day. That's all the time we have for today. Questions or comments for Bob or to find out more great information like what you've just heard, visit www.prudentmoney.com. Be sure to join Bob Brooks again for the next edition of Prudent Money. Prudent Money was